Hello, and welcome to episode 215 of SMARTS, which as we all know stands for... Sky Mandalorian's Attack, Restoring Teamwork's Symbology. Ooh, very good. Oh, thank you. I am Rudiger Koo Podcaster, a.k.a. Trevor, and you are... Julia Gulia of Internet Fame, dash podcaster. Correct. Hi. Hi. So we only have one bit of news this week. <gasps> so uh, DC announced that um, Jeff John's uh, run Stargirl show will debut this spring. Whoa. And, which we kind of knew it would be in yeah, the Yeah, but early... I didn't know it would be so soon. Well, actually, I think it's later than it was supposed to be. It was supposed to premiere immediately following Harley Quinn, I oh, think, okay. which wouldn't have been that far away because I think Harley Quinn is going to run 13 episodes, like Young Justice, 13 episodes and then something else. And then, okay. And then the back 13. So we would have been expecting it in just a couple months, not spring, which would presumably be like March or April at the earliest. But the interesting thing is that they announced that um, in a interesting bit of synergy that nobody saw coming the episodes will air on the cw one day after they debut on dc universe oh wow which of course raises all sorts of questions about will this show be in continuity with the other cw shows i mean i guess it could just be a different earth or something right right um but supergirl it would be weird to have a show on the cw that's not part of that shared universe right like Everybody kept saying Black Lightning's not Black Lightning's not part of the Arrowverse. Black Lightning's, but everybody's like, yeah, yeah, but, but it, it is. It must be though. But like, it kind of is. At, yeah. At, at most, it's on a different Earth, and of course, we'll learn in a couple of weeks if it's even on a different Earth. Presumably, it's at most on a different Earth, but obviously, it's part of the same continuity. So, if right. they have Star Girl on the CW, I think it's only a matter of time before there's some sort of crossover there, mm-hmm. which is interesting because so far. Everything else in DC Universe has been its own thing, right? Titans and Doom Patrol is a bit of a link because they did the backdoor pilot, but Swamp Thing's unrelated. Young Justice is obviously its own thing. Harley Quinn's obviously its own thing. Even the live action stuff, though, like Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol, Titans, they're each their own distinct things. Right. The, Doom, the version of the Doom Patrol we saw on their own show was even very different than what we saw on Titans. Yep. Some, some of the roles had been recast, some of the characterizations were completely different. Um, but having a show on DC Universe that's also on the CW, is very, does that mean that they're going to be beholden to... The runtime and um, and not censorship, but, you know, broadcast standards and practices that the yep. CW shows are 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 beholden to, or will they have like an uncut version on DC Universe and then like a cut down version? Like I think that of all the of all the DC Universe shows, this is going to be the most family friendly because it's Star Girls, Jeff Johns running it. It's going to be like an all American adventure show, I think. Um, it's not going to be like Titans or Doom Patrol where there's F-bombs every five seconds. So right. I think that of everything on, on DC Universe, with the possible exception of maybe like Young Justice, it would work the best on broadcast. Mm-hmm. But if only for the running time and lack of commercial breaks, like when you're writing the script, you need to know whether there's going to be act breaks or not, right. right? Like it affects the pacing of the show. So maybe did they know going in that they were going to do this? It's a very a very odd arrangement that people didn't see coming. Right. Um, but it, it's an interesting thing and it's sort of one more, you know, add that to the, to the CW along with, um, you know, Superman and Lois and Green Arrow and the Canaries and now Stargirl yeah. on there in addition to all the other shows that are continuing. So they've there's definitely got a lot of superhero stuff. Hmm. And that's the only news this week. Wow. That's wonderful. So what is your comic of the week? This week I picked Batman, but I don't know what issue number. Guess. Um, um, 183. Uh, well, you're off by one. It was 83. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway, in this issue, we see our Batman come to in a room uh, across a dinner table from dead Alfred. <laughs> um, and 
at the same time, a recording is playing of Alfred's recorded voice saying a very touching goodbye to Bruce and he knows that he's in danger and he knows that he's going to keep himself in danger because he can't figure a way out of it but he's sacrificing himself for the greater good and then we see that all the other characters that have been uh, somehow defeated are standing in line as Bruce gets escorted by Selena to a living room where his dad is waiting or his alternate universe dad um, is waiting and is is just saying, okay, I've literally done everything I can to show you how destructive your path is. Is this over? And in Batman says, no, no, it's not. And then the and uh, the comic there. And so it's it's a really really good issue. It has so many good thematic moments in it. Alfred being Alfred is just so awesome in any medium so last time i i remember earlier i picked a comic where he was writing bruce a goodbye note and now we see a recorded message where it's a goodbye note and it's just so powerful and impactful and awesome and the theme comes back where all alfred really was working for was to see bruce smile again like he did when he was younger and um and then we see him smile it's so good. It's just so good, people. Get on that. Get on it. It's so good. Okay, what'd you pick? So I picked the same comic. Did you? <laughs> yeah, for all the same. You probably speak more eloquently about well, it. Well, for I did. all the same reasons. I was like, I'm... remember that part when? Well, what about when this happened? Yeah, no. Yeah, for all the same reasons. I mean, it's basically <laughs> like a father saying goodbye to his son and wishing him nothing but happiness, which you know obviously hits home. So that that was you know, and it, Tom King wrote the heck out of the dialogue. And I know. Just, uh. And and then Mikel Janin drawing like there was very little. There was probably even no dialogue. Right up until the last page or two. Yeah. Um, and so it was just all like Bruce's reactions and him mm-hmm. trying to bust out of that room and then him cradling Alfred's body and, you know, lying him down and covering him with his cape and everything. And, and you see the different emotions play across his face. It was just fantastically drawn, too. So, yeah. Yeah, it was Unbelievable. fantastic. Yeah. They're doing a, a one-shot special. I don't think Tom King's writing it because he's moving over to – he's only, only got a couple of Batman issues left and he's moving over to Batman and Catwoman. But I think the various Bat writers are doing like a um, – Alfred so, R.I.P. issue basically like a special oh, okay. that shows like all the other characters reacting to Alfred's death and then of course when the new writer takes over Batman it's going to be obviously a big part of the new fate I'm sure the new we're status see... quo in Gotham City that Alfred's not there anymore you know so it does yeah. seem like it's at least for the time being it's going it's to be a permanent, permanent thing of course nothing is ever completely permanent in comics you know give it three or four years on the outside and he'll probably be back somehow but mm-hmm. until then I think there'll be interesting stories to tell about you know, the repercussions of the city event. I've been reading a little bit James Tiny and the Fourth, who's taking over Detective Comics, who writes, you know, Justice League Dark and wrote Detective Comics for years at the beginning of Rebirth. He, you know, he's one of our favorites also. Um, has been, uh, I think as part of like an email newsletter that he started, has been sharing parts of his like pitch that, oh. he, that, he, that he got, that he, you know, gave to DC to, to get the series. And it seems like there's going to be some interesting new status quo changes in Gotham after this City of Bane thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like the way he envisions the city and the way the police is going to operate differently. Like you can imagine when the city gets literally taken over by supervillains. Yeah. Not that it's the first time it's ever happened. But, you know, there, it could prompt some changes in the way, yeah. you know, the citizens of the city feel and the way the police operates. Yep. And, you know, Commissioner Gordon's status quo is going to be different. And without Alfred, you know, the Bat family's status quo is going to be very different. So, so um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they where they go from here. Yeah. 
So you ready for your pop quiz? I'm ready. All right. So this week, because of what we were just talking about, I'm going to be quizzing you about bat family deaths. Oh, bring it. Okay. <laughs> so these are all multiple choice. Okay. okay. Thank God. <laughs> Number one. Yes. In Final Crisis, Batman was thought dead after he was turned into a Black Lantern, wiped from the multiverse by the Anti-Monitor, infected with the Anti-Life Equation, or hit by Darkseid's Omega Effect. Final Crisis? Oh, man. Um, uh, I picked the, the, um, the infected with the anti-life. No, he was hit by Darkseid's Omega. Dang it, that was my second guess. Which sent, him, which sent him back in time to prehistoric times. <laughs> and then he sort of jumped through time through the ancestors of his body while he was being pursued by, by sort of like an embodiment of the anti-life equation, which became Barbatos and was like tra- tracking him Ooh. through time as like this weapon that was... But then it turned out Darkseid's whole plan was like he knew Batman always finds a way out. So as Batman was jumping from body to body, coming back to the present, he was like picking up temporal energy that Darkseid was going to use as a weapon, like as a time bomb when he finally arrived here. So Because he, he knew that Batman would find his way back. So he was using it to... Anyway, it was a whole thing. Grant Morrison wrote it. So um, good. It was the big conclusion of his... Um, the, that particular chapter of his big Batman mega arc. All right, number two. In the 60s, after being killed, Alfred later returned under what name? Okay? Okay. The Demon's Head, the Red Hood, the Outsider, or the Signal? Wait, but what? After being killed, Alfred returned? Oh, God, no. You know what? Demon's head. No, he was the outsider. Okay, that was... He was a criminal who was called the outsider because he had, he was being like, he was brought back from the dead, but like brainwashed or something, and then they saved him, and he was fine. Okay. Maybe the same thing will happen here. Maybe that's what will happen. Maybe maybe they'll retell that story with a modern twist. He'll come back as the outsider. Oh, Lord. Number three. In what country was Jason Todd killed by the Joker? Oh. Was it Ethiopia, Saudi Arabia, Bialya, or Karak? Oh. I thought it was... Oh, no. Damn it. I thought it was Bialya. Is that your guess? Yeah. No, it's Ethiopia. I thought it was... I could have sworn it was either Saudi Arabia or some fictional country, too, but I, I double-checked it and it was Ethiopia. Wikipedia is never wrong. Wikipedia is wrong, though, because I I remember the episode in the... Well, no, it was different in the cartoon. They changed it. Oh, you, that's not nice. I didn't read the comic. uh, That's not nice. I didn't read the comic. It makes your question invalid. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. You didn't read any of these other stories either. That can't be the basis for it's valid and invalid. That's true, but if there are multiple valid answers established in canon, um, then you can't... Well, only one is canon. The other was... uh, a, a cartoon. Yeah, it's an adaptation. So? Adaptations change things all the time. So, all right. what's Num- your point? Number four. I stand by my problem. Number four. Tim Drake was once thought dead after he was... Cremated. Yes. <laughs> that would do it. Shot by the Joker, sent into the future, attacked by Black Lantern Superboy, or incinerated by drones sent by Jacob Kane. Incinerated by drones. Right, because you read that one. That one I read. That. See, <laughs> I'm conversant in that one, did the one that, that I read. Did you know that was coming, or did you think this might be a completely different nope. instance where he was thought? Because there must, I mean, if I, I had I think, my guard up, but I was. If I think back, I'm sure there were other instances where he was thought I dead. I, um, None spring to mind right now, but I'm sure there must have been at least one. The only one I can think was, he wasn't thought dead. He was like, 
I like the actually jo- did well the Joker the Joker it was like was it called Last Laugh like the Joker was convinced he was going to die and so he wanted like he had cancer or something so he was going to go out with a bang and one of the things he wanted to do was kill the current Robin to like keep his streak alive so it looked like he had killed Tim and Dick almost beat the Joker to death with his bare hands mm-hmm. out of revenge but then mm-hmm. Tim like I guess he you know so they did CPR or whatever, but it haunted Dick for a while after that, that he was like, he intended, he went in intending to kill the Joker and it was only because somebody stopped him or whatever that he didn't. He's like, oh man, am I a killer or whatever. So anyway. Um, all right. Number five, mm-hmm. Stephanie Brown was thought dead after Batman sent her on a suicide mission. Alfred gave her father, the clue master, her secret identity. Commissioner Gordon used her as bait for Two-Face or Leslie Tompkins withheld vital medical treatment from her. I'm going to go, I don't know. So I'm just going to pick the craziest one, which is the Leslie Tompkins thing. Because that's she cra- helps That's everybody. crazier than Batman sending her on a suicide mission? Or 100%. Commissioner Gordon using her as bait for Two-Face? Yes. All of those or Alfred things, giving her father her secret identity? All of those things are plausible and totally, you know, acceptable. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, but I think Leslie Tompkins withholding medical treatment from anybody is crazy, crazy banana pants. So they right. must have that done it That is the correct once. answer. Yes. So this was... Dumb. So they had a story called War Games, and in it, Stephanie Brown found some like secret plan Batman had to to wipe out all the gangs in Gotham City by pitting them against each other. Um, but it was never meant to be used. It was just like a hypothetical thing. Mm-hmm. That, but she actually enacted it, thinking it was something that he wanted to do one day, and it oh. got a lot of people killed. And so she she you know she in an effort to stop it she got herself taken prisoner by black mask who tortured her to death basically and and she was dying and leslie Tompkins could have saved her but then it was revealed later that leslie Tompkins could have saved her but didn't because she wanted to send batman a message not to endanger any more young proteges (laughs) but everybody all the fans were like that's completely out of character for leslie Tompkins to let a young girl die. Yeah. So then a later writer retconned it and said that that was just what Leslie had told Batman. But in a, in, a, in actuality, she had saved Stephanie's life and, and like secreted her away to start a new life elsewhere in the world mm-hmm. away from all the violence of Gotham. Yeah. Um, so that was how they retconned that because it was completely out of character right. for Leslie to essentially murder a young girl to prove some sort of point yeah, to Batman. Yeah, exactly. All right. Nice. Number six. Mm-hmm. Damian Wayne was once killed by... His mother, Talia al Ghul, his grandfather, Rachel al Ghul, his own future self, or his doppelganger, the heretic? I think the heretic got him. Correct. Yes. That yes. Was, this that was, was this big, guess. roided up, like, adult-looking guy, but with, like, a baby face, who was, <laughs> who was like... Because they, they've kind of waffled on whether Damien would, like, um, conceived and matured naturally... Or whether oh. Talia like stole some of Bruce's genetic material and like created him in a test tube and accelerated his growth. It depends on whether the comics were trying to say, oh, Batman's only been around for five years, in which case he couldn't have like a 13-year-old son. Right. Or whether they're just ignoring that and like, yeah, Batman's been around for about 20 years, in which case he could have a 13-year-old son. Right. So it varies. But the Talia had all sorts of like either other either duplicates of him or clones of him, depending on whether he himself was like a natural birth right. or not. Mm-hmm. And But they were accelerated to be like these big, burly adult guys with like this Lawrence of Arabia by way of Batman 
outfit that they would wear. Mm -hmm. um, and the main one was called the Heretic. And so he was kind of like Damien's brother, but he was completely under her control. Oh, and he yeah. ran Damien through with the sword. And then he was dead for a while. And then he came back because they found some way to resurrect him using um, apocalypse technology. It was Ooh. this whole big, big arc. Wow. It was very good. Okay, great. So, so you got like one, two. You actually sussed out most of those. One, two, three. Three. You got three. Three? Yep. I feel like I got more. Nope. You got three. <laughs> All right. We'll so stick with your numbers. So now it's time for our shows. So <laughs> yep. we got Star Wars Resistance, Batwoman, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, Black Lightning, Titans, and The Mandalorian. Yep. Strap in, everybody. So this was a fun episode of Star Wars Resistance. It was called Rendezvous Point. Mm -hmm. I feel like this one had... So it introduced an interesting new character, which was Tora's mother. Yep. Um, she was well characterized. It gave us a bit more on Tam and what she's doing with the First Order. Yep. Um, and heightened that whole situation. But what was yeah. going on in the Colossus wasn't as interesting with, you know, everybody just sort of, every kind of just moping about and complaining about, you know, they're in danger and, oh, we're going to like, right. Yeah, we it's go the continuation. The, they're they're in a holding pattern, no yet. pun intended. But it was, in, but having an episode that took place mostly with the First Order and followed that plot thread after we haven't seen them. In, in a, a few bit, episodes yeah. was interesting and mm -hmm. it introduced this interesting new character that presumably will circle back again later. She'll like join up for the final battle, I'm, I'm assuming, or, yeah, you know, yeah. she'll actually come back and help extricate Tam if she decides she wants yeah. to or whatever later. Yeah. Um, so Batwoman. Mm -hmm. So this this one was interesting too. So we got, so I guess we find, we discover at the end that, um, that Mouse was impersonating Jacob throughout, I guess, maybe the whole episode maybe. or maybe even yeah. multiple episodes. We don't know. Um, so he never did find out that Kate was Batwoman, even exactly. though um, Sophia Sophia went off screen back to him at the end and said that she told him that no, actually I was wrong about that. Right? That's what she said. She said, "Oh, she, you remember the right. scene she had with yes, Kate?" Yeah, yes. she's like, "Don't worry, I went back to your father and, yeah, and yeah. said, like, you know, I screwed up. I you weren't actually." Up. Yeah, Batwoman. yeah, that's right. Um, so they pulled the old uh, Batman, the old Superman wearing Batman's costume yes, to fool did. Vicky Vale thing here, um, or Batman wearing Superman's costume to fool Lois Lane. Yeah. So. They they tried so they were they knew they were going to get a bit of flack for this because they introduced the character of Julia Pennyworth who, yep. who is a character from the comics, yes. um, sort of like late New Fifty Two era, um, Alfred's daughter from like his old spy days who was right. who grew up in like the spy culture and is herself a, a member of like the British, yeah, um, SAS or whatever, mm -hmm. um, and she was she was either gay or bi in the comics I don't remember. Um, but they changed her race for this. So they made her white, oh. whereas in the comics, she was mixed race. She was right. darker skinned. I think the idea was that Alfred was serving in like the Middle East or something. Mm -hmm. And that was where mm -hmm. he fell in love and, and had a daughter. Mm -hmm. So she was like half Middle Eastern, half, you know, Alfred. Mm -hmm. um, but they changed it for this. And they said that they thought long and hard about it. But the reason why they decided to use the character here was because of the story that they had concocted. Oh, right. Where someone comes in, an old flame of Kate's. And then, because she's also super capable, she poses as Batwoman for a while to trick Sophia. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, that wouldn't work if you can see the bottom half of her face and it's a different skin tone. And, like, they could have yeah. put, like, white face on her, you know? Like, yeah, but that yeah. would be problematic. So they're like, look, you know, we can explain to the fans why we did it, but we're going to, we just, we're just going to make, because otherwise they would have just invented a different character. And is right. that really any better? Like, maybe, maybe not. Anyway, I can, I can see both sides of it, but they said, look... You know, it's equally plausible that she's Caucasian, you mm -hmm. know, because Alfred was Caucasian. And he could have had her with somebody else on a different mission. It's not like right. her race is necessarily extremely important to who she is. Like, say, for example, Black Lightning, to choose an incredibly simplistic example. Right. right. Um, so that was the choice they made. So, you know, it's, it's but the, these shows are pretty 
diverse as it is, you know, right. in terms of like sexual identity and, and race and everything. So it's, I don't think it's as big an issue as it would be, you know, if everybody else in the show was white and they took one minority character from the comics and made her white. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that they talked about in interviews. Like, you know, rightly so, kind of felt they had to get out ahead of a little bit. But overall, she's basically the same. They even kept her call sign. So, so when, Alfred, when Alfred would be on the comms with Batman, he'd usually go by the call sign Penny One. That was mm-hmm. something that was introduced only a few years ago, but it kind of caught on. Whereas for a while, and you, do you even recall? Yeah, you do recall. You did read this. Yeah. Julia was, was Kate's like yeah, person assistant. in the chair for a while. Yep. And Tuxedo One was her call sign. And they even got this in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's right. I completely forgot that you did because in the new the the rebirth right. Batwoman series, yes, I that had to do with her time on the island or yep. whatever. That yeah, they did have Sophia. her. Sophia, so they mentioned Sophia in this episode too. Did you notice? Oh, did they? That? Yes, they did. But and Sophia's I was like, a different oh. person on the show, though, right? Didn't they? They use the name for they use the Sophia. name to drop something that might happen in the future. because yeah, they think, did not. Because they've got the whole thing with like the lost year that they or years even in this conception, yeah, right? Years, that they yep. could do. They could mm-hmm. have that island, whatever it was called, and the adventure she had there. Yeah, that could be a plot for a future thing. Um, yeah, but it was, it was good. So well, I'm trying to remember, it was just, um, I'm trying to remember like who they were, who they were I up didn't know in, in the one. comics that she was, um, uh, well, I thought that in the, in the rebirth issues that you and I are talking about, that she made it clear that she has zero interest in women. I thought that that's. Julia? Yeah. I th- I'm pretty sure she was, pretty sure she was gay in the comics. She was? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I think I think that I, I think that what they did though was make it clear that just because the series has two gay women in it, it doesn't right. mean they're going to get together. Right. Like I think Julia might have. I think they made it made it clear that Julia and Kate were not interested in each other at all. Right. Um. But that. But I'm. Well, it was that certain. was definitely true. But I thought that she mentioned a relationship with a man like that. Maybe like she was bi. Maybe. I don't, I'm, I don't I'm know. pretty sure she was gay in the okay, comics. I, didn't I don't think they remember. would have changed that. But I, I, I guess I could be wrong. It's she only had a few. She appeared at the beginning of that series, and then she didn't appear much at the end. And there was she didn't have many appearances before that. So I could be misremembering. But mm. I'm pretty sure I remember thinking at the time when she was introduced. Oh, that's cool that they would go so far as to give Alfred, you know, one of mm-hmm. the classic, well, not original Batman characters because he didn't appear till like 10, 15 years into the thing. But you know, one of the iconic Batman characters. Right. A child after all this time and then yeah. make her, you know, non-white and non-straight. You know right, what I mean? Right. I thought I remember thinking that that was pretty bold at the time. Mm. Um, so Supergirl. So a lot happens in this one. So we get introduced to Rama Khan, mm-hmm. uh, played by Mitch Paligi, who you said you knew from The X-Files. Yes. The only thing I think I've ever seen him in is he voiced Commissioner Gordon on the four seasons of the The Batman cartoon that, that uh, yep. ran contemporary. You never saw any of that, but it ran contemporaneously with uh, Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and so they took so Rama Khan is a character from the comics in the comics there was a thing where Aquaman died in this big space invasion from Imperiax who's a character you know as is you the do. villain from the second season of Legion of Superheroes mm-hmm. voiced by Phil Morris mm-hmm. um, Aquaman died in the Imperiax invasion but then it turned out he'd actually been sent back in time to like ancient Atlantis before it had sunk and so the Justice League traveled back there to rescue him and there they found out there was like this ancient Justice League and Ramakan was like their leader, and oh. so it was, but they were being manipulated by the sorceress who wanted to like contain Aquaman's power, or whatever. Um, so here they kind of took the name and I think the power set, but they've they and the fact that he is like this ancient character, mm-hmm. but they made him like an immortal alien who's been on Earth for a long time and founded Leviathan, which is obviously right. completely different. Like he didn't have anything. You read no. all the Leviathan mm-hmm. stuff. He didn't have anything to do with that in the comics. Yep. Um, I thought that it was. It felt really quick, though. Like they introduce him, yep. and then like literally five minutes later, he's in full costume, attacking Supergirl and bandying his name around. Like he lasted this long, 
in, right. in secret only to like literally within five seconds of being out there who was on a million cell phone videos. I and know. they made the point with the other woman, whoever that is, is saying to him, you know, you don't understand how technology works these days. You revealed yourself. We've got to do things differently now. So right. maybe it was his own hubris and lack of mm-hmm. knowledge of the modern world or whatever. But it seemed kind of sudden. Like you feel like you introduce this shadowy character. Right. You build up his threat. And then a few episodes later, he actually fights Supergirl. Not like the very next scene. It seemed right. like it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but I guess if you see it as like the culmination of this Leviathan thing, they've been building that for a while. Right. Um, so they had, what else? So there was a bunch of uh, relationship stuff in this one, right? So mm-hmm. it looked like um, Alex and Kelly were going to break up, but then they didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I guess you could call it a relationship thing, the thing between John and Malefic. Um, Why not? Was, it's was a cool. brotherly that relationship. That seemed a little sudden. T- I mean, obviously they've been building up their their conflict and their mm-hmm. will they will he forgive him or not thing for a long time but it, it still felt a little sudden to me that that and i understand that they set it up like carl lumbly comes in and he's like you've got to you know completely bury your mind open yep. to your brother and it's this huge risk because he could like wipe you out or whatever and then go on to kill all your friends but it's like a really quick scene where he shows up he kneels he opens his mind to him we see a bunch of flashes and phil's lamar phil lamar is suddenly like oh i forgive you brother now i see that you did love me and it's like is he Part of me wonders, it, like, it almost seemed too quick. Like, is he is he conning him? Yeah. Like, did he actually do something to his mind where now he's got, like, this... Or is he under Lena's influence? Suggest- she didn't really make him a nice guy, though. Like, he's still been a jerk. She just made him not want to leave that prison cell. That's you know, true. He still yeah. wanted to kill his brother. That was the whole reason why he agreed to the whole thing. So, I don't I know. I like to think it, it that it actually worked. I mean, little, I think that they were rushing it, but... It, it felt a little I rushed. I feel like they were aiming to actually... Um, be honest with it. Like and, they're not pulling a fast one on us. And then, of course, the big thing was the um, that Supergirl finds out Lena's true intentions. Yeah, and she, that was dope. she you know, Lena just sort of. Can we just discuss how her wonderful for, that actress is? The the one playing Lena, she's just so good. Who goes by the name of? I don't know. I don't know people's names. <laughs> I barely <laughs> remember B- Melissa Benoist's right. character. Kelly McGrath. I watched ten years of X Files. I couldn't tell you Mitch. What's his name's name? Kate, Katie McGrath is the actress's name. I'll say Katie Kelly McGrath, McGrath because there's a Kelly, character named Kelly, but no, it's Katie McGrath. Yeah. Um, with her kind of American accent. I know. <laughs> that slips every couple it's, of seconds. Yeah. She's got like a couple of vowel sounds that she's just not, not very good at. Be, yeah. Like ah. Like she's she, like something will be, it should be ah, but it's ah half the time. You notice that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's fine. It seems like it slips at the, it seems like it's off at the beginning of seasons and right. then she like <laughs> gets back gets into better. it. Gets better. <laughs> That's hilarious. So she should, she should do like a, she should do a Christian Bale and just stay in stay voice, in the, whole voice time. the whole time. So yeah. long as you're playing the role, like you never let it slip. Um, yeah, that was a tough scene to watch. Um, I was kind of hoping for like some cool Easter eggs yeah. there. Like we got the Myriad device, which goes all the way back to yeah. the first season. But I was hoping for like, I mean, I guess we already got Lex's like green battle armor in an earlier season. But I was right. hoping for some classic Superman villain weapons in the background there. Or like, oh, that's the anvil where he forged the baby sun eater or whatever. Like, no, we didn't <laughs> get any of that in there. Um, yeah, but that was a hard scene. I'm a little surprised that they didn't string out the plot thread of Lena deceiving her for longer because it's only been four or five episodes. Yeah, it does feel a little. This this also felt a they've little. Got, I guess they got well. That, no, that part they got felt, a lot to do. That, that part didn't feel rushed. That part felt like, oh, I'm glad this is not. I'm glad they're not stringing this out more. Yeah. Like it didn't feel rushed to me, and I felt I can like, see that. and I felt like, with with the Jean Malefic thing, it's not that I felt like it wasn't time for the story to to wrap up or to or to take a turn. Right. It's just I felt the scene itself felt like rushed resolved itself too quickly whereas this yeah. scene they felt like they let it take its time it was like a 10 minutes just dialogue scene at the end yeah between them and i felt mm-hmm. like they gave it the time it needed whereas the other stuff didn't feel like it got that time i think it was just they didn't have enough time for both yeah yeah 
Um, so Flash, this was a fun episode. This was licensed to elongate. So this was their mm. James Bond. I mean, not nothing that you haven't seen in a bunch of other James Bond parodies, but obviously the actors were having a lot of fun. Directed had, by Danielle Panabaker. Yeah, she did a good job. Yeah. Um, and they had, you know, this this cartoonish, you know, Blofeld type Bond so villain good. guy who's auctioning off this golden eye, no, Moonraker style die. space yeah. weapon. <laughs> um, and they had like, you know, people were, I feel like it's it's a little easy, right? Like you, you do all the tropes, but then you have the characters comment on how they're tropes. And right. that like absolves you of the fact that you're just writing a bunch of tropes into your episode. Right. So it's obviously it's a it's a fine line between being hackneyed and, and actually, you know, and being yeah. an homage. Like, yeah. I don't know which side this fell on necessarily, but it was fun. They have Ultraviolet come back and she's like the Xenia on a top or whatever, like like Fomka Jensen's character from GoldenEye. Yes. You know, like the femme fatale martial artist character. Um, let's see what else. So there's, there's the thing with Nash Wells progressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets it's inter. It was interesting to pair him up with uh, the girl whose name I can't remember. The uh, the in- uh, Iris's intern. Um, red muffins. It doesn't matter. Um, but that was an interesting pairing, and but he it gets will. he gets her to like help him get into the monitor's little area there. Mm-hmm. The other characters seemed equally surprised with the fact that the monitor seems to have some sort of sewer layer, which seems like a little out of character for him. Yeah. Um, but I this guess it's, weird, I guess it's a thing that he has. Hey, um, but th- those scenes were fun too. Yeah, it was a good episode. This I, one, this one was fun. And then then uh, Ramsey Rosa shows up at the end to wreak more havoc. That's and there's a the whole thing with along with with uh, Ralph being given basically the the title of city's hero. Oh, right? and the scene where they kind of reverse it on Barry because all this time he was planning yeah. a, a surprise for elongated man and to pre- pre- to prepare the world for you know post post crisis no flash existence, and here they take a moment to come back to the theme of the episode, which is that Barry Allen is just as important as the Flash, and they recognize... Yeah, they kind of hit that really his, hard in this episode, I perhaps know. one too many times. But I, but I feel like it, it calls back also to it's the conversation really he had though, with Joe yes. one or two episodes ago, where yes. Joe's like, you deserve better than this. You're going to go out, and nobody's even going to know everything you did for this city, right? Like, they're going to remember the Flash, but nobody's going to remember Barry Allen, right? Right. And so maybe this, like, are people really going to remember this little ceremony where Barry mm. Allen walked up there like 10 years from now? Probably not. But at least it was a way of, you know, Thank I want you. it on the record yeah. that we appreciate what this guy did, you know. Even though there were a couple of factual inaccuracies in there. Where, like, like so he's officer an Barry officer. Allen, like, mm-hmm. not an yeah. officer. That's not how police scientists work. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't think medals of honor actually say medal of honor on them in, in all caps. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it's funny. But I mean, I'm kind of like, really? But that's that's fine. Oh, come on. Um, that's, Give, why, that's why these shows I still are think to the props department deserves props. Uh-huh. I don't think so. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so this was a really I'll good episode. Of, this was a really good episode of Arrow too. So they all go to Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see a lot. We get to see a lot more of um, what's his name? Anton. No, not Anton. Um, Anatoly. Anatoly. Right. Whoops. Um, apparently, all is forgiven after he almost helped uh, Diaz kill everybody. But they did kind of come to an understanding at the end of that season too. Yeah. Um, I like the whole thing here about he's he wants their help. He wants William and Mia's help, but he doesn't want to expose them to yeah his darker the, to pie, the past, darker things yeah. that he did. Um, there's more interesting stuff here with Lila and uh, Laurel. Yeah, Lila's trying to get Laurel to to take the thing, the the MacGuffin once they get it. Right. Um, but over the course of the episode, she kind of has a change star. of heart, mm-hmm. and they show up at the end, and they sort of trick Lila into revealing herself to the others. Yeah. And then the monitor apparently just off screen with a little blow dart gun <laughs> tranquilizes everybody. Foom, foom, foom. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see where they go from there. But the scenes between 
the scenes between um, Oliver and his kids in these episodes, I think, are, are really a lot of fun. And I think that um, I think that it really helps that Stephen Amell's daughter has like gr- not she's not grown up over the course of the show because she's still only like whatever she's six. six or something yeah, like that. But like I think the fact that he has a daughter mm-hmm. that that he's watched grow while shooting this show. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he, like he, he's obviously ex- expanded his range as an actor just naturally over the course yes. of the eight years. But I think that, um, not so much as just as a question of range, but as a question of life experience. Like, I don't yeah. think he could have played those scenes nearly as well, even if he'd had the skill that he has now as an actor yeah. then eight years ago, I don't think he could Agreed. have played these scenes nearly as well, because I think knowing like, what would I want? my kids to remember me yes. as you know what I mean like those are the kind of things that you think about in, when you're a parent when you're a parent that you that you don't you know you, you don't, don't really give a lot of thought to you don't before. think about when you're 28 and you're like no. you know what just I mean just kind of doing your own thing so, on your own so I think that it's you know it's one of those nice things of of the art imitating life yeah. where you know, yeah, it's, it really you kind is. of got to grow into that role he totally has dad vibe yeah, Definitely. and and even Anatoly was like being it was was it him who being said like a being, father a, being a father suits, suits you? you yeah and it, oh, it does oh, like oh. I think that's I think that I think that um the I think I've said this before like my favorite scenes that Stephen Amell plays are the are the lighter scenes like I love the scenes where it's during the crossovers you get a lot of them where it's like him and Barry yeah kind of being a, a, a mentor mentee type friendship well kind of like kind of like a good, big brother little brother. Yeah, but also like the he's like the gruff older guy who sure. doesn't want the younger partner and Barry's like the young like and they've obviously matured together and so on. But but I love those I love those scenes because he gets to loosen up a little bit and he gets to have more fun and they get to play off each other in a different way. He doesn't have all the responsibility in his shoulders because yeah. this guy who's even more capable than he is. Um and similarly I love these scenes too, because it's not just him playing, you know, the brooding distant love interest or the hero or the team leader or, you know, all the things we've seen him play a million times. Like right. he has to be like a loving father or, you know, whatever. So I, I enjoy seeing those seeing him play those sides that we've seen less of, you know, over time. We got some of it with William, but even with William as a kid, he was only there sometimes and he got sent away for a while and then he would come back. And even when he was there, they played it for like a lot of melodrama where William doesn't really understand why he has to be the green arrow or has to stop being the green arrow to be a father to William. You right. know what I mean? And it was just played more for melodrama. Whereas here it's more like I don't know, like they're they're part of his world. So he's not trying to push them away. He's trying to like figure out how to reach them. So it's a different kind of angle that I'm enjoying. Um, Black Lightning continues to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the revolution is cl- sort of amping up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I have a ton to say about this one. I guess the main thing here was that Anissa is suddenly dying from the, the, the poison that she got from uh, Khalil a, a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. So they sort of play that up where she records a message to her father and then she passes out and... And Grace and Gamby have to have save to, her. Have to bring her back. Yep. Um, Jennifer finds out more of the more about the guy that's kind of been she's hanging out with the school that yep. he's the one there that's to get absorbed her powers. On, yeah. Get revenge. What, what did it turn out his thing was? His mother was killed. By, and he, I can't remember. Was it the ASA? Yes, that's right. Yeah, he's there to get revenge on the ASA. That's right. Yeah. So that was interesting. He's revenge. got powers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it continues it continues to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Titans, so we watched two episodes of Titans back to back because we were a little bit behind. Um, so things are coming to a head because there's only one more episode. There's only the, the season finale coming. Well, so here we're sort of seeing this, this team getting back together. Yes. Right. There's sort of parts of them are sort of naturally coming back together. And then there's also Bruce Wayne seemingly pulling the strings to yeah. get a bunch of the, a bunch of the, a bunch of the of women, women back together. Um, so first one largely has to do with that. Um, I did like that they weren't. I, everybody handled it like maturely. I thought that was good. Like they were yeah. in character. They weren't like, 
they they disagreed about whether Dick needed their help more than Gar, but they weren't going to be like, okay, Bruce Wayne, like stay out of our lives. We're going to go back to doing nothing. It's like, no. Oh, really? Gar's in trouble? Okay, we got to go help him. You know what I mean? Right. Like they yeah. weren't, they didn't throw a hissy fit. Right. Because exactly. I think they all kind of realized to varying degrees that they probably um, overreacted when they stormed out on Dick. Mm-hmm. Like when Donna came back in and she saw like the bloody paw prints and everything yeah. and she yeah. looked so worried. I'm like, what the heck right do you have to be like you walked out like yeah what did you think was going to happen yeah. like, i'm kind of mad at these characters for like <laughs> aban- abandoning guard to take care of this yeah. you know comatose Superboy, right like yeah they it really it was it really bothered me that they weren't able to handle it with a bit more maturity where gar's kind of like and true gar wasn't as personally wounded because he wasn't the one of the ones that had been lied to for five years right. but i feel like he kind of had his head on straight where it's like yeah it sucks you did a bad thing but i still believe in what we're doing here whereas everybody else just threw a hissy fit right right um i agree in the second episode we get a lot more hawk stuff um the we episode was called faux hawk which is which is funny <laughs> it's pretty good. um this key he he's fighting cage matches yep and he's you know doing coke. he's definitely off the wagon oh yeah um and he turns out at the end that he's sold his costume for like drug money to this kid mm-hmm. and he's got to go he goes and gets it back and this it, this really interesting scene where he seems like he's the badass walking in he's going to and this kid should be embarrassed because he's just this loser teenager who's wearing Hawk's costume right. but then in the end it it turns out that like he's got his stuff together more than Hank does yeah you know even though he's got like life troubles and he's living in a hotel yeah, but, and he's but at like, least he's not doing yeah. drugs and selling his his right. costume in a parking lot and right? he knows what he wants like he wants that yeah feeling like this of, kid's like, got his stuff together more right. than, and, and so it's an, and hank kind of like walks out contrite like he's he tries to keep like the facade up of being the badass but right. he, he kind of walks out with his his head but low, i think basically. honestly i also think that he didn't want to destroy that boy's image not of him yeah. but of not he of was him trying specifically. a little bit to keep the Towards titans the mystique up he's like yeah no, don't you know the no, titans no, no, like no, no, we no. do don't the right thing me. yada yada don't misunderstand yes i know he was trying to I mean, he believes in the message that the Titans is trying to portray, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about at the end when he said, when the teenager said, oh man, I just felt like a million bucks when I put this on. Like, I felt like confident and, and in control like, and, and everything. Like you must day. feel like He's that like, oh, every yeah, day. And every he day. says, yeah, oh yeah, every day. Yeah. And I feel like on his face, like there was such a beautiful performance in that because there was a conflict of, I don't want to disillusion this kid, but I also don't want to admit to myself that i mean that oh, he I've knows got he know, he, I, mean, I don't think he has any trouble admitting like, to himself one of the things that i like about the character he's he's not terribly self-deluded no he exactly. knows exactly he what knows his own flaws are yeah. like he over like he probably shouldn't have left on he, like he, he, he was yeah. he was over dramatic being he was being over dramatic there but he knows that he's you know that he has a drug problem and an alcohol problem. Yeah. He knows that he has like a violence problem. He knows that he, you know, yep. he's, he's not like, oh yeah, like I can convince myself that I'm doing that. I'm I feel great when I wear this coat. No, he knows he doesn't. Like he's not. Yeah. He's he's at least got his stuff together enough to know what his own problems are. Yeah, but right? I feel like in that line that that was really nicely performed. It was a little because, wistful too. I thought like maybe yeah. it's part of his arc where now he's like, you know, like what's stopping me from feeling that way. Like if I get my stuff together again, yeah. and maybe I could get myself to a place where I do feel that good when I wear this costume. But you know? I also feel like he he said it not just to cover up his own shame, but also to not disillusion the kid. And I feel like the two of those yeah, things were at true. play. Yeah. And I I really like that nuance yeah. in the 
in the writing and in the performance. So I guess the other, good, the other two things we should talk about are, are the stuff with Dick and then the stuff with, well, I guess maybe three things. So stuff with Dick, the stuff with Jericho being yeah. in his father's body, and then the Rose-Jason stuff, right? Yeah. Did you see it coming? So they almost got like a little mini Judas contract in here. Yeah. Where Deathstroke had a mole inside the team, although not really because she was never really part of the team and nobody really liked her or trusted her while well, she was there and then yeah, she left she after was, five minutes. No, she was there to infiltrate and um, She didn't destroy. really do a very, she didn't are really you try kidding? very Within, hard. She didn't have to try super super hard because just her presence alone and her she, identity alone. She could have been a bit more ingratiating. Like she ticked everybody off. She tried to escape. Yeah, but what's <laughs> wrong with that? I mean, that was part of the play. I, I well, everybody's, yeah, I guess. True, true or false, she successfully made everybody argue with everybody else. Mm, I guess it depends on what her mission was. That's was her, what her was. Mission her mission was. to like take the team apart from within yes. or just to like to ingratiate herself and bide her time. Nope. I, seemingly not, She was right? supposed <laughs> to take her, it apart from within. That's I guess so. literally yeah, what I, their I guess, table I guess scene. She did. Yeah, I guess she did. She yeah. did do that, didn't she? I yep. guess, or at least contribute to that. They kind of largely took themselves down. That's um, the sad tragedy of it, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I, I guess I really hadn't, hadn't really thought about it that way. So Dick breaks himself out. There's, there's more scenes where he sees Bruce in his head. Yeah. There's a scene where they kind of fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Which there's, there's more like really on the nose stuff about he needs a new superhero identity. You need some sort of like <laughs> wink, bird, of, wink. bird of prey thing. Um, what about the shadow on the floor? Yeah, that was cool. I mean, obviously <laughs> I like it doesn't that. really look much like the <laughs> no. symbol because there were like feathers and stuff. But, um, and then he goes to the, an actor who's, who I definitely recognize at the end who's kind of like, I guess he's kind of like yeah. the, the Gamby of this universe I where know. he makes the costumes and he takes him down to like this. It's like, did Bruce pay for all this or is this like a Justice League operation or something? He goes I down to the basement know. and they've made him this awesome costume, which we only barely get to see a little bit from Just the side. Obviously, it's all black. Yeah. I was waiting for them to be seen where he's like, you know what? I've got a bit of an idea as far as the symbol or something yeah. like that, but maybe that'll be in the next episode. So I think obviously... Oh, yeah. I mean, but I like the fact we're, that we're going to have Nightwing in the finale. You want right, to know obviously. something that I really liked? And I thought that it would it would strike a chord with you is that moment where he actually, you know, passed the passed the whole argument with the guy who who's bitter at him for burning the suit. And then the same woman who is also working on the suit and she she throws him some shade as well. Um, but after all of that, when they're actually walking up to the suit and he's describing the functionality of it, how it's more about like the, the goal is to allow his gymnastics flexibility to take over so that you fight more get hit less and and dick's reply to that was so perfect because he says yeah i'm i'm in favor of that and the way he sort of laughed joked about it i was like oh god put there a talkie bubble because that's right out of the comics yeah i mean i thought that it would strike a chord with you did you find did you did you feel the heart of that character in that moment yeah, I, I I see the I've, I see the 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 character from the comics in this in this version a yes. lot. And I have since the yeah. beginning. I've just it threw me because it was a darker version. But the more we've known about the circumstances and the reasoning behind that darkness, I've been able to see more and more. And but I, I've always I've always from the beginning seen that he's like, I can see what they're doing, and I can see like the 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 true version of the character in there, and I can see that they're kind of building to that if they if they get time and they do yes. it well. And I feel like they've done a they've done a pretty good job here because the whole arc with him in prison, I think did a good job of showing him in his lowest point and they even went so far as to like give him this this illness so he was literally feverish yeah whereas in the previous episode it just seemed like we talked about like he was having a psychotic break that yeah. he was seeing yeah. Bruce everywhere here at least it's induced by a fever um he gets a, I, it's kind of cool like um we Corey and Rachel his, come in to break yeah. him out and he's like already he's gotten already that somehow gone. um so so Jericho is alive inside his father, which is cool. It's a thing that Jeff Johns did in his Titans run, which I guess is not too surprising because he's like one of the producers on the show. Um, 
where in the comics Jericho had been dead for years and Slade comes back and attacks the Titans and then at the end of that arc you discover that it was Jericho in control of Slade's body this whole time and the reason why he was attacking the Titans was because he was furious at them for like not just letting he'd kind of gone crazy basically and he right. was like furious at them for a letting them die and it was kind of like the whole I want to I you put the Titans back together again I'm going to take you out because look what happened like you took me in and you got me killed right if I take you out now no other kids will get killed killed in your wake you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and then later they like separated and he um found a know, body he, well they said they like i think that the brother the church of blood grew a new body for him or something and he came back and he was like nobody no when a hero goes bad they usually become good again after a while and they retcon it saying like oh he was insane because he was in deathstroke's body for years and so on but it was kind of cool because this this comic it opens and you're like oh here's deathstroke and you turn the page and he's like He's like beheaded Wintergreen and mounted his head on a wall with his other trophies. And like, why would Deathstroke do that? This is like his only friend, right? And then you discover this because right. there's Joey in there and he's, you know, right. kind of gone nuts. And he doesn't care about Wintergreen, right? So he killed, you know. Yep. Um, but that was, oh man, that was such a good arc. That's the one where he um, he uh, shoots um, Bart's kneecaps. <gasps> he shoots Bart's kneecaps with um, with a shotgun. And that's what kind of... Kind of causes Bart to smarten up and realize that like there are real stakes. So they give him these artificial knee kneecaps basically yeah. that he has to work with. And that's when he's like, okay, I guess I take things seriously now. So you see the scene where he's like reads every book in the San Francisco mm-hmm. library or whatever mm-hmm. at super speed. And he comes back as kid flash instead of impulse. And he's like, okay, now I'm serious mm-hmm. about this thing. It's kind of, it was when wow. he sort of transitioned from being super goofy to just like a more lighthearted character who was still like who was right. more focused. But this was like the big turning point for him. Where Deathstroke basically almost blew wow. his legs off and he had to like smarten up. Wow. Um, that was such a great arc. Um, so they do something similar here. But what's what's different here is that he's not – it looks like he's getting more in control. Like he's been slowly wearing down his father's resistance over the years. Mm-hmm. Because presumably initially it was – Slade might not have even known he was in there. Right. Seemingly didn't. And no, it was impossible to tell from the outside that he was. But now over time, like obviously over time, like Adeline has, has realized that he's in there and he's able to affect him physically. Like we see a flashback. To he the knows where- he's in there from the very beginning. We went back to the scene of his death and he saw him go in there because Deathstroke knows about his son's ability. He knows about his he son's literally, ability. He, he literally um, snapped back in that moment when his bo- son's body fell and his consciousness fe- gave came into his body and he had a line something to the effect of welcome home son or something no, like that. No, I think you're misremembering. See, first of all, it's unclear whether the effect of him swooping from one body to another is something that's visible to the naked I eye know or whether that. that's just for us, the audience. But I think that he he, he cut him down and, he, and the soul his soul self went into Deathstroke and Deathstroke stepped back and I, he had a line. He but had it, a line, but I think it was in acknowledgement. Mm, I can't remember I the exact I, words. I, I don't remember. I, I, that's not the way I remember it. I, I okay. thought that, I thought that he wasn't up, aware I'm of it at sure first, right. but then he sort of over time. But at the very least, at the very least, it seems like he wasn't able to affect Deathstroke physically at first, but over time he's been but sort of wearing down his resistance. To, right. he, we saw a flashback to the scene where Dick comes and talks to him in his little Barker lounger there, mm-hmm. um, which at the time we felt signing, like was yeah. a really, he's like he's just sitting there watching TV. It's a weird, and like grunting. you even commented yes. how it was like a weird scene. And I did, did remember that he seemed off. I'm like, is he drunk? Are they trying to set up that he's dying of some illness or something? Because he was like grunting and he seemed uncomfortable. He was like right. moving around a little bit. Yep. I don't think we saw him signing no, like obviously didn't. there wasn't they a super close-up right. of that but i wonder if you like look at the periphery of the frame and mm-hmm. one of the shots then where you could you see his hands moving maybe like I it wouldn't surprise see, me if he went back i'd and love to go back and look and he even goes so far in this episode as to almost causing him to walk out into traffic exactly. and get hit, which would presumably kill him too but he just wants yeah. to take his father out because right. he knows what a threat he is 
Um, it does make me wonder if they're going to find a way of saving him. Uh-huh. And and he becomes like a titan in season three or something. Because I don't know where his soul would go. If they right, find some I other know. I don't know how that would work. Um, but again, it is what happened in the comics. So um, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then Dick's whole thing we talked about. Like, I think it's obvious that we're going to get <clears throat> Nightwing in the finale. I remember, yes. re- I remember reading that they originally their plan was to... Because remember we talked about how the season premiere of this season was originally going to be the finale of last season. But then they said, when oh, they, right. when they said yes, you know what, yes. let's make it a cliffhanger. And that's why it felt really weird. Like the, the, the premiere of the this season felt like was weird. it was just like this weird thing that should have belonged in last season. And the second episode was almost like a new show. The second half of the episode was like a new show. Well, a little bit at the end with Titan's Tower and, and introducing Deathstroke and stuff. But that was only like the last five minutes. But, but apparently they were going to have Dick become Nightwing in season one. Oh. But then when they decided, I'm not sure it was when they got the word that they were going to get a second season or what, but it was part of the same decision where they're like, you know what, let's let's move the confrontation with Trigon to season two okay, um, and ended on a cliffhanger. They're like, you know what, let's in that case, let's take our time more with Dick's journey too. And so it ended up lasting two seasons and not one. But I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion that he'll show up as Nightwing in the in the finale here and rally all the troops against yeah. against Deathstroke. And yeah, it seemed like Deathstroke was bringing reinforcements at the end in some way too. So we'll see what's going on there. I was a little I was a little confused with the at first I was a little taken aback by the Starfire scenes because it seemed like at the end of the last episode mm-hmm. she's like I'm coming for you sister and then right. this one starts and she's like getting drunk in Las Vegas. Like I get I get how you get from there to here, you know, yeah, like yeah. she's feeling depressed and like out of sorts and she doesn't know where to go, but it really felt like she was resolved to go back to Tamran at the end of the last yeah, episode. So and then I guess she had a change of heart or she realized that it wouldn't amount. It wouldn't accomplish anything, or that it's not what she wants. It's obviously she doesn't want to do that, right? She never right. wanted to go back. It was what all of her scenes in these episodes were about. That she's much happier here mm-hmm. as a Titan, but you know, it did. It did seem like it sort of. It seemed like a some. There was a scene in there we missed where she decided not to go. But right. yeah, but I'm really looking forward to the finale. And the next week, uh, at the same time as the finale, the first episode of the Harley Quinn cartoon drops, which right. has been getting really good reviews. Well, don't forget that. Um, that don't forget we didn't even cover the. Uh, Deathstroke's daughter and Jason stuff. Yeah, but I don't really know. I mean, short of the whole Judas contract thing. I mean, the, their scenes were good. I'm not really sure what else to say about it because it kind of. Well, know. I didn't see it coming that uh, she would be an infiltrator. No, and I didn't, I didn't see. That see I either. certainly didn't comics, see that she would let her dad put out her yeah. eye. That's that's. In the comics, up. she put up. in the comics she put out her own eye as an attempt to like right. That was prove to him that she was committed or something like that. That was it was even more <laughs> twisted. I'm not yeah. sure if that's more or less twisted. It's differently twisted anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Jason just can't catch a break in the show. Like every time he gets, he gets He's cushy. A, I know. He, uh, somebody betrays him or he, or he or gets screwed up in or, some yeah. way. So I don't know. That's just messed up. Um, it doesn't seem like he's going to, I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, I'm assuming all the characters are going to join forces in the next episode. Right. Fight he's not it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't there at yeah, all. I know. Or if he showed up just to help a little bit. He's like, no, but I'm not rejoining. I'm off. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Maybe he becomes Red Hood. And so, Do you think they would have him become Red Hood? Um, without, without going the through the whole death thing, hmm. thing first, if it's just like an identity he takes up because he doesn't want to be Robin anymore, maybe like his own Nightwing kind of thing, yeah. Without doing the whole death and resurrection thing, maybe, maybe you could do that. I you mean, it could is, do absolutely. You could, you could, I mean, it, it, it's a cool aspect of the character's history, but you know, you could, you could. If do. it doesn't fit in this continuity, then it doesn't fit. Yeah, but I wonder if it would be too similar to Dick's arc, where he 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 leaves the Robin identity in a huff, gets no, all dark and no mopey, huff. and then he takes already a new is identity. dark and mopey. That's the point. Yeah. But but Dick, but Dick as Robin was was dark and mopey in this show too. So all the Robins are dark and mopey is the moral of the story. Maybe in this show anyway. 
Um, so we got episode three of The Mandalorian. This one was called oh the, my God. the Sin. This was a lot of fun. It continues to be short, like only like 32 or 33 minutes. Was it really? Um, yeah. Directed by Deborah Chow. Yep. So I was wrong when I saw afterwards. I was saying, oh, but they, they tapped her on the basis of this. They tapped her to do something else. And I thought it was like one of the Marvel Did you look shows. it up? Well, I, I remembered afterwards, and I heard people confirm it on podcast. She's going to be running the uh, the Obi Wan show with you oh, and McGregor. She's like, she's going to yes. be the John Favreau of that show, basically, so like writing, good. directing, or whatever. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so so presumably on the strength good, of this, she's, she's also done. She also did episodes of like Better Call Saul, and she did some episodes of Jessica Jones and stuff. So she's you know she's been around. This is not her first thing, but I right. think this is this was like but her. It's so exemplary. This was it's her so audition perfect. for like the Disney. But folks, this is so nice. It's so filled with moments and shots and cutaways that were just really, really iconic, really good storytelling. And I mean, the script alone is wonderful. Um, yeah. I'm not giving I her credit for that, but um, but I the mean, way it, she presented it is just the way it, so the way it plays is, is sort of on the on the surface is fairly predictable. Where it's like, oh, he's going to take the baby back, and maybe he'll give the baby over to them, but then he'll realize he shouldn't, and he'll go back and save it, and then there'll be a big gunfight, and he'll get away, maybe with the help of some people we would least expect or something it's kind of like how you would if you had to go like exactly plotting abcs you know um but just the way it's executed is so good like the scene where he like lays siege to the base like a one-man army and takes them all out and then the scene where all the mandalorians i heard someone say it's like the clone wars come to life in live action which mm-hmm. is basically like all these mandalorians flying in like from the from when we said when audiences first glimpsed boba fett all those you, you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. 1980 with boba fett on the screen like who is this guy and then return of the jedi like he's got a jetpack he can fly around I gotta um, get me one of those. And then, like, th- God, Return of the Jedi was thirty-six years ago. Goodness gracious! Um, <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> now we get to see a bunch of Mandalorians actually fighting side by side and flying around in live action in a way that we've only seen in CG on the Clone Wars yeah. and Rebels since then. Um, and we learn more, even more, about the state of Mandalorian culture here, and the whole thing about this. Apparently, the signet, your signet, is determined by like some some formative battle that you fought, seemingly, because they're like, oh, we'll put that big space rhino as your signet. He's like, no, I got, I got an no, assist I, on I that one. That doesn't count. Right. <laughs> that doesn't count. Okay. Um, so I guess Boba Fett fought like the the Mandalorian like space dragon thing that is the symbol of the Mandalorian race, because that's the signet that he had on his shoulder. Was the you, the symbol of I all mean, Mandalorians? You, you know that I don't. So know. I guess maybe he fought one of those guys. Maybe. Um, or tamed one. But it seems like here. Who knows? Like, there has to be some sort of an honorable story to it. Like yeah. Um, well, he's not even a real Mandalorian. From what we know, he's not even a real Mandalorian, though. He's like he's he's a clone of a guy who wore Mandalorian armor illegitimately. So I don't know to what extent. Maybe he just maybe he just thought it looked cool and he drew it on there. I don't know if there's we don't know about that in canon yet. The the origin of that that symbol on Boba Fett's armor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we learn more about the state of Mandalorian culture here. They seem to be like this this dispersed itinerant race that's trying to keep their culture alive by adopting orphans and like letting right. them. It doesn't seem like it's like you say that and it makes it sound like, oh, they're, they're, they're bringing them into like some weird cult and they're brainwashing them. It seems like they give them the choice to... I guess they're like, do you want to be an orphan or do yeah. you want to be a Mandalorian? It's not necessarily a very hard choice, but but presumably at some point they're, they're like, look, you can commit to this life and it's a hard life where you can't take your helmet off, so you're going to really smell and you're going to itch a lot, but <laughs> you know, you get to be a cool Mandalorian and do right. all sorts of cool Mandalorian things, right? Like maybe you'll get a jetpack one day, you get this flamethrower, yeah. um, you get to live in the sewer. So sometimes you get a gun that's an incinerator. Right. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So that seems to be the way that they're keeping their culture alive because they've been seemingly winnowed down to a small number by the Empire as part of like this purge that happened um, in like the the six or seven years between when 
or I guess more like the 10 years between when Rebels ended, not counting the little flash forward scene at the very end of Rebels. Um, the 10 years between where Rebels ended and where this picks up, mm-hmm. they seemingly got pretty much decimated during the Galactic Civil War. And now who knows, like how many of the men, maybe all the Mandalorian houses are fallen and all that's left are just like these little secret hideaways where they yeah. try to keep themselves. We keep, were You were remarking on and, Katie Sackhoff's massive failure or her character. What was her name? The Bo Katan, yeah, Bo-Katan. but but I mean, but I mean, it's been six years, you said, and it's, I mean, Alderaan got blown I up. I mean, you know, a lot of planets didn't I, do so well in that in that war, so it's not I necessarily the- any knock on them. No, I theorized Jimmy, that Jimmy Smith's. <laughs> failed even more than Katie Sackhoff did. Ouch. He didn't even get off his couch. His whole planet got blown up, and he was like sitting there on his little space balcony. At okay. least, she, at least Katie Sackhoff presumably fought really hard. <laughs> With her Darksaber. What happened to the Darksaber? Are we going to see it in live action? That would be so great. Um, yeah, maybe. But I'm guessing that might be like a season two or season three thing. Well, like, it doesn't matter. I hope we see it. I hope we see it in live action. I know that this isn't an oversight because these are the same people controlling no, the reins of all the things. I mean, there's and, the Lucasfilm Story Group and Dave Filoni's right there. He's one of the executive producers on the show. Yeah, so. exactly. So um, I, I, I know that they gave this some thought and that they absolutely understand where one story wound up and where this picked up. And so I know that they have an answer answer to these questions um and i hope that my theory i'm calling it that um that katie sackoff's is um somehow survived and her group survived and it was trying to rebuild the mandalorian culture there but it because of certain uh events everything has been sort of dispersed throughout the galaxy and what we're seeing here is taking place on one of the outer rims of um of of their mm, sphere and so she is gonna appear and they are gonna somehow find a way to reunite with those that faction of mandalorians but it's taking long a long time and so we're seeing a small group of them it wouldn't surprise me to see her show up but i'm not i'm not sure if, if i don't think this if, is a sum if, total if, of all mandalorians well, is what i'm telling no, you. no of course not i mean there, there could still be but i mean the galaxy is a big place there right could, there could be millions of them but there could only be like a few dozen on each planet, right. you know what I mean, like, and it would still look like small little little uh, enclaves. But I'm not sure that I'm not sure that they intend for the show, and I'm not sure I would want the show to be like a big galactic epic about the return of the Mandalorian race. You know what I mean? I don't think like it, I, yeah. I, I kind of wanted to continue to be like this quiet space western kind of thing. Like he can run into Bo-Katan and they could maybe do a that's uh, what I'm thinking. A few episodes about that, but I don't want him to be. I don't want him to be like the savior of the Mandalorian race, who's who's like this great who becomes the great hero that returns them to galactic prominence and wields the dark saber as the chosen one like i'm not sure i want to see all that you know what i mean i don't not think that it you couldn't will. be done well but. yeah i mean it could be done well but i don't think that's exactly what i i agree with you i don't think that's where this story is going i think that bo-katan will maybe collect some of the other mandalorians here but he will in a in effect, stay down and hold down the fort with the with a small group that chose to stay behind to maybe I don't know collect more foundlings or be a beacon for other Mandalorians that they run into or something like that. I don't know. The scope is going to naturally expand. I mean, the way yeah, these Dave Filoni shows work. I mean, if you look at season one of Rebels, it was just a ragtag few characters um, fighting yeah, fighting against the Empire yeah. on what was the name of the planet that Ezra was from? Uh, starts with an L. Lothal. Lothal. And then by the end, these guys were like basically the founders of the rebellion. And they were fighting alongside with like Mon Mothma and Princess Leia and Bail Organa. And they were were like, oh yeah, by the way, like Hera fought in the Battle of Endor. And you know what I mean? Yeah, there you go. um, It was a general and all this awesome stuff, right? And Ezra basically like single-handedly took out Grand Admiral Thrawn. And Kanan was like the last Jedi who did, you know what I mean? Like they became super important characters in in history. Right. Um, 
And that's the way that, you know, and that was over the course of four, four seasons of a cartoon. So this could go a similar way. It's not like what I'm saying is Dave Filoni has shown that he's capable of taking a show that starts off relatively small and localized and Mm -hmm. turning it into this big epic in a natural way. But I'm not sure that I necessarily would want, like we've seen that already. I would kind of like this each season of this show and maybe they could, some could be, some adventures could be more or less epic and have different tones, but I would kind of like it to be like each season is him like on a different adventure a different mission and they're all kind of like relatively low stakes you know what i mean but they've got this the baby yoda in there who you know if you if you figure what it could mean to the balance of power in the universe if this thing is cloned or whatever like we're already kind of operating at super important stakes even if this guy just kind of fell backwards into this situation yep um so it's not hard to see how you could go from here to being something super important that happens but we kind of know because we know you know, 20 years after this, what the galaxy looked like when we get to The Force Awakens, there weren't a bunch of Yoda clones running around and the Empire wasn't resurgent. The First Order came out of nowhere back from the Unknown Regions and the Empire had basically been eliminated from the known galaxy at that point. Yep. They never saw the First Order coming. So we know that all these these delusions that this Imperial Remnant has of rebuilding the Empire yeah. on their own from within are basically going to fail. So we kind of know that's... The, the big question mark here is what happens to the Mandalorians because there hasn't really be, been anything after this in canon around the time frame of The Force Awakens or yeah. anything after that that yeah. really says about them what happened. Like maybe they completely died out or maybe they did return to prominence and we just haven't seen them yet in the sequels. So who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yep. I mean, I enjoyed a whole lot of moments from this that I wanted to mention. My top three being... The moment that he had just before the Sky Mandalorians came by to save his butt, like when he was really just saying, okay, I really don't know if I can get out of this. And there was just this conveyance, which is an amazing performance for somebody wearing a helmet (laughs) over his face. Um, And with the little cute little baby that he just saved kind of groggily looking back up at him. It was it was such a touching moment in that hellfire that he was facing. Um, number two, the face-off in his own ship with um, Carl um, Weathers. What's yep. his last name? Did um, you almost say Carl Lumbly? No. Okay. I couldn't remember Weathers or Weathersby. I swear <laughs> I didn't remember. Carlton Weathersby. Carlton. How do I know? I that don't remember That was the name of the guy names. from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, Lordy. Um, his He snuck on the ship, and I really do suspect that he, uh, the Mandalorian shot him where he knew his, his Beskar was. Like, because this is somebody that's worked with him and for him, and he has some sort of at least begrudging respect towards this figure, towards this person that he doesn't all he, out he hate. He told him to take his Beskar shot. <laughs> he took his Beskar shot, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I don't think it was meant to be a kill shot. It was just meant to shove him off the, his ship. Um, that's my suspicion, and I really think I'm right. Um, and uh, and then the the third one was, of course, seeing Mandalorians on their jetpacks in live action coming to the rescue. It just blew my mind, and oh my god, it's just so good. I did think uh, the final shot where the the one that he's so like good. flying off in his ship, and the one guy yeah. like comes up alongside. You thought like, it was too much. I was like, there hey. for it. I know you but thought it was too much, but I was one hundred percent on board. Someone that, I was there. I did see someone say that that's an homage to the movie The Rocketeer. Which oh now yes, that I've, yes. Now that I heard that, I think it probably was, but it doesn't. I gotta make get it me one of those. Any less goofy. Yes. The way it was in the concept <laughs> art they showed at the end, or whatever yeah. those illustrations are over the mm-hmm. closing credits, where the the Mandalorian was like more upright, more upright. Yeah, and I think that him, worked that a lot cool. better. The way he's like doing the Superman pose and yeah. like waving at him, like hey. 
I was like, aren't you awfully high up? Like, there's no air up here. We're practically in space. Like, but whatever. So like, that, that just seemed a little silly. Um, no, I liked but, it. Uh, oh, but yeah. and then, honey, your favorite, your favorite moment, of course, was at the very end of that episode where he takes the, uh, deliberately unscrews the knob off of the little thing that the, the baby Yoda had been playing with earlier in the episode, in the very beginning of the episode. And he deliberately takes the same little toy off. He, and he kind of drops, drops it, it below, drops it out of frame to the little hand to give him cute. the toy. It was so adorable i was there oh <laughs> and then they ride off into the into the black sunset <laughs> of space oh oh man oh it's just such a good episode this show this show you guys this show okay i'm 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 done that's it for our show <laughs> um yes so if you want to reach out to us we have an email address mailbag at smartspodcast.com our facebook is facebook.com slash smartspodcast our twitter is at smartspodcast and our webpage is www.smartspodcast.com how about a funny sound for us i don't have one how about Ooh. <laughs> baby yoda <laughs>